Good morning and happy Mother's Day. This is Lisa Hawkins from Christian Warrior Woman. Well, let's begin today with the subject matter of overcoming fear. Fear, our friendly fear. Um, You know, when we talk about the whole strategy behind Christian Warrior Woman, it's about fighting back and fighting fear and is a daily can be a daily battle especially if you're struggling in sickness um, or addictions you know there is a tendency to have more fear and worry not just for yourself but your family and your children and so today we want to talk about this is chapter four in the book but we want to talk about women and overcoming fear Well, the bottom line is every person alive can experience fear. You know, when you've been in a war, you gain experience on how to advance against your enemy. And you also learn about your weaknesses and strengths. Fear is a powerful enemy upon all people, but especially women. We in society feel have a tendency to be more fearful because of the lack of equal value, equal pay, equal representation, or equal credit for our contributions at work, politically, or within our jobs. And to be honest, sometimes even in our family unit, we may not feel the value from our children or spouse or, you know, relatives or parents. We can see the indifference from a young age when we're raised and we see how, you know, a male can do the same thing that we're doing and they're praised and put on a pedestal and we're kind of told to do something more, I'll call it domesticated in some cultures and relationships. So we have to sometimes rise above. I remember when I was a teenager and my mom would be like oh Lisa you know one day you're gonna be married um, you need to work on learning how to cook and in my mind I knew how to cook and I literally said to my mom and she did couldn't say anything different but I was probably one step from getting a shoe thrown at me but I said to her when I get married one day he's not gonna marry me because of my cooking. He's going to marry me because I'm smart. And that's the kind of person I would want. I don't want someone to marry me because I can cook and clean. Well, thank God I can do both. But that was my mindset that I didn't want to be just relegated to to be domestic. And I'm not making a judgment on someone else that that might be their goal. But I knew that wasn't for that wasn't all that I wanted to accomplish in life. And I think that's the real key is knowing our purpose and knowing having identity and having a plan for our lives. Because in many cases, fear comes from lack of plan, lack of identity, lack of, um, you know, having doubt self-doubt and our capabilities and so the one thing that you will see 
that counters fear is competence and courage. And so when we want to overcome fear, we want to overcome what exactly fear is. So let's define what fear is so you can know what's the opposite, what what to pursue, what to pray, what actions not to take that help you reinforce fear. Because many times we speak what we're fearful of. Oh, I fear doing this. Well, if you keep saying it, you'll keep fearing it, right? So we want to disclaim and banish and remove words that put us in agreement with being fearful. And especially with with many women being single parents, we can't afford to raise children who are fearful. We wanna raise children who have courage, who are bold, and who are able to contribute to the world with knowing who they are and their identity. So we wanna instill that because whether married or single, we are the primary caregiver, instiller of wisdom, instiller of, of courage and confidence in our children. So what is fear? Well, the word comes from the Greek word phobos, meaning that which provokes a person. And we listen in, ladies, because this can be us. A person to escape or run away. Another Greek word um, shows that it means cowardice, shyness, and shame. When you think about what are the key things that women struggle with, those words come greatly to mind. Let's think about escape. When we look at drug use, when we look at stress, when we look at anxiety, many women in those situations want to escape, right? And they escape into drugs or escape into finding a person who they believe will, you know, take care of their finances and make everything right. And in the end, they, they're stuck in fear. When we look at running away, we run away from making crucial decisions or run away from stepping up or saying something. I, you know, I have counseled and worked with many young people who was molested in their parents' home. And the parent believed the molester over the child. And the child wound up running away, wound up in youth detention. And it so shocks me that a woman would choose the man over her child at 12 and 13 or 11 years old or nine years old would believe the man instead of the child. But what's the root of why she needs to believe the man? Fear of what? Fear of his support and paying the bills. But there are other things at work that have blinded her. And so when we think about cowardice or shyness and shame, fear, I I meet many young women who say they don't want to get married. 
In most cases, I don't believe it's that. I believe it's the fear that they believe it's not going to happen. So they want to counter it by being in agreement with it. So when it doesn't happen, they could have said, well, I had said I had never wanted to get married. And I think that's a real shame. And that is more of the cowardice side of it. Because why stand in agreement when we were made for companionship? So when you say, I don't want to get married, then what are you saying? I just want to be something insignificant to someone else. I'm not worthy of being um, loved by one person. I'm not special enough for someone, for me to have a love story with someone. To me, there's so much more going on there. But what the sad part is, is that the words come out of our mouth that we are confirming and declaring that what we won't do and what we won't have. So when we then want to pray to God to bless us to this and that and the other, we can't pick and choose um, when we activate God from when we don't. When we make the decision of what we're not going to do, is that based on what the Lord has shared with us or what we're telling the world and what we're telling God? So we have to step away and decide, um, am I in control of my life or do I serve a God with higher power that will provide and make decisions and makes plans for me? So right there, we need to relinquish that control in in that area. So we now have an understanding of escape or run away. Have you many times, instead of dealing with something head-on, maybe even at work, instead of dealing with it head-on, because maybe we know if we bring this up, maybe we could get fired, or maybe something can happen to us. I have, in my 20 years in corporate America working for top companies, I chose to to face things head-on, whether... When I was being, someone was trying to make a sexual advance at the workplace, I had, you know, men say to me, oh, I can um, assure you certain promotions if, you know, if we were in a relationship. And what did I say? I said in that moment, no, that wouldn't work for me. Now, did that person possibly work behind the scenes to, um, Maybe not then do the opposite of what they promised? Probably. But I had to make a decision in that moment of who I wanted to be. And in in my mind, if I'm going to get ahead at work, I've got to get ahead based on what I do, not based on my providing sexual favors for a man who that when he gets tired of me and moves on can still take away those favors. So in my mind, oh, that that's not even a deal that helps me. If we even look even outside of it not being Christian like, that's not even that's not a benefit to me. So maybe you're in a situation I had an administrative assistant who worked for me. And literally, 
she dealt with when she would go to the copy machine, this male manager would come behind her and rub on her. And she allowed it because one, she was afraid if she told her husband, he would come and possibly kill this manager. Two, she knew the family needed this job. And so she was dealing with this. So one day I came back to my office and I saw her face red and she looked kind of tearful. And I was at this point working in an office where I was their first African-American manager. And I, everyone was told to not friend me, not to help me. They wanted to make sure that I failed. But here was my administrative assistant. And I said to her, um, I asked her what was wrong. And she wound up confessing to me because of how she looked. She really couldn't deny something had happened. And so even though everyone in the office viewed themselves as my enemy and wanted me not there, there was no way that I was going to let a woman be sexually harassed who reported to me, even if she was part of the group that was against me. And so I told her to go to the copy machine because she said anytime she goes there, it happens. I said, well, you go. And I will do the rest. And she was just like, well, I don't want to make a scene. I said, oh, it won't come from you at all. And when she went, he went to do it again. And I caught him in his tracks. And see, the good news about me catching him, because he viewed himself as an enemy of mine anyway, he knew that I, I was, it was the perfect thing for me to do would be to turn him in. So when I saw the move that he was making, I told him very clearly that I see exactly what you're doing. And I believe you've done this before. And I let him know in short, because I can't go through everything that I said to him, that I threatened him that if he ever came near her again, when she was in the copy room, coffee room, break room, or walking down the hall, if he ever allowed his personal body or self to come near her again, he would be fired on the spot. And I said that would be because she didn't want an investigation. So I respected her wishes because if I basically filed the charge, she would have to testify against him and she was not going to do it. But what I could do was prevent him from doing it again. I told him as long as I am here, you come near her again, I will take your job because I am now aware. And the good news for her is it never got out. He never came near her again. And then I spoke to her about, obviously, one day I'm going to get promoted and move from here. And in the meanwhile, you need to decide what you will do if this happens again. And whether you allow this to happen or you either find another job or you bring charges against him.
And that I had to let her move forward with. But there are many women, as we see in the world, that deal with sexual harassment in the workplace. For me, I had to deal with sexual harassment, racial discrimination, bias. But the one thing I always made sure that I fought for was that I was paid the same salary. I was in a male-dominated field. And I made sure my money was equal to every man. So when I got promoted, I wanted to see, let's see the scale. Where do I fall on the scale? And many times as women, we don't speak up to make sure that we're not being paid what we should be paid. Many jobs have a scale of how you're paid or have levels, whatever they may be. You should always know where you're falling in that scale. And when you're getting promoted, where you're falling in that scale. I always made sure I was in past the midpoint of that scale. Why? Because all my male peers were past the midpoint of that scale. And that's where you have to go for what are the facts. And based on your experience, what's your worth? And that takes the other side. That doesn't take being shy. That doesn't take being cowardless. That doesn't um, take some of the things we've talked about with fear. We have to ask what we're worth. We have to go, whether it's human resources, whether it's our managers, am I being paid on par with my peers? Or um, am I below? I find it interesting that men who come in that are married, they make sure that they have an income that supports their family, whereas a single woman can come in in the same situation and men who are normally the ones in charge of that don't normally see the same concern for a single mom with children. So don't wait for someone else to perceive your value. You have to learn what you're worth and what your value is in your position and in your career. Hopefully that makes sense. So 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage. We cannot be in bondage with fear. And if you think about, well, I don't know if it's fear, well, if it's anxiety, self-doubt, who? what's the root of all of that? What's the root of anxiety? What's the root of worry? What's the root of doubt? Fear is a serious root that we need to pray out of our lives. And what better day than in celebrating Mother's Day that we look to counter and overcome the fear that is keeping us back from possibly propelling our children forward so that they don't take on the generational behavior that you have been manifesting in front of them each and every day. So we want to break this stronghold that entraps you with the fright and worry. Hesitation could be procrastination, but it it renders you unfruitful. Fear does not bear fruit. Those in fear, fear hinders your success in relationships, work, ministry, family, 
and future. It makes us a coward when you're faced with challenging circumstances that need action, that need decisions, and need taking a stand. Jesus was a perfect example of fearless as he suffered um, prior to going to the cross. He didn't let his afflictions bring fear upon him. He, he even, you know, didn't even respond to their accusations. He knew why he was born. He knew what he was created to do. He knew what he was supposed to do. How do we get that? Through our faith and through our prayer and through our relationship with God. That even when circumstances that are not favorable happen to us, we can stand on the confidence of what we know. So confidence is one thing that we have to have. Identity is an area that has to be of strength. So women can learn greatly from this. When falsely accused, don't waste time arguing and defending. Stand on what your truth is and move forward. So there is only one person to fear. There's one healthy fear. And that's God. When you fear man, it leads to not trusting God, lack of faith, control, being ashamed, jealousy, envy, murder, covetousness, stealing, robbing, lies. That's when you put your trust in man. But we want to put our trust in God so that we can have confidence. We can have faith. We can feel empowered We can feel special and loved by the one true God, and we can gain favor, favor that he hears our prayers. Too many um, ministries teach kind of what man wants to hear by tickling ears and hearts with entertaining messages about giving to get earthly goods. They want to be accepted because acceptance brings more members and more members bring more money. The church should be where Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwell. Our lives should be transformed by the power of the congregation's faith. It has to be in us as individuals to bring it forth. So I want you to think about how you can break fear off your life because it's limiting you. It's limiting your voice. It's limiting you speaking in confidence about areas that you feel led in. And so we want our individual talents that every woman has, whether it's to, if you feel that I feel called to sing, but maybe the fear is singers don't make money. But if that's the gift that God has given you, then I guess you need to be on some of these reality shows. Whatever it is, you might be a preacher, an inventor, a lawyer, a doctor, a writer, or a homemaker. Don't fear what God has put in your heart, but trust him in your faith for being who you truly are. Because God created you with the strength of a warrior to endure the challenges you will have. Jesus was persecuted for his identity and purpose. Why should you not feel overwhelmed at times And feel that you have to make difficult choices about your life because of fears. Okay? 
So I think I've read yesterday to you Matthews 5:13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. I want to leave with fear is a trap. 